Welcome to Policy Today. Thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council. Hi, this is Mary Strau. Welcome to Policy Today, a podcast from the Washington Research Council. I'm happy to be joined today by Mr. Eric Schinfeld, who is the president of the Washington Council on International Trade. And as you can imagine, given his title, we are here today to talk about trade. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to start, and I think Eric will be the first of, of many um, guests we're going to have talking about trade, because first of all, it's incredibly important to Washington State's economy. Um, we are the most, what is it, trade dependent or trade, what, like trade r- is really, really, really important to Washington State, probably most important of any other state in the nation. Um, in terms of our economic growth and jobs and all of that. Secondly, because um, there's been kind of a great, upheaval in American politics just in the past year or so in terms of both parties um, having more and more of their people, including the two candidates for president right now, Republican and Democrat, um, to varying degrees, being pretty critical of trade deals, which is a cause for concern for those of us here in Washington State who are concerned about jobs and our continued economic health. So I wanted to bring you on today, Eric, to talk about that in general, about the benefits of trade, Um, and also to talk about, um, there's in particular one trade deal with some of our Asian partners that is pending that has been the subject of much controversy, and maybe we could talk a little bit about that. That's called the Trans-Pacific Partnership the TPP, you may have heard it mentioned in (laughs) Donald Trump speeches, perhaps, Um, and maybe some Hillary Clinton speeches as well. Bernie Sanders, it's been, oddly enough, it's been kind of a hot topic, which usually don't associate with trade deals. Um, Anyway, thank you, Eric. Welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, and uh, so let's start off with, first of all, with sort of a defense of trade, why is trade so important to Washington State? Absolutely. Well, so that's thanks for starting me off with an easy one, yeah. right? Uh, Softball. So, so if we, you can't answer that one, right, Eric, I know I'm I in, don't the, know. in the wrong job. Yeah. So uh, we put out a study. Gosh, it's about uh, three and a half years or so ago now that found that 40% of all of the jobs in Washington State are tied to international trade. Wow. Four zero percent When I'm mm-hmm. feeling when I'm feeling generous, I like to say almost half of the jobs in Washington <clears throat> mm-hmm. State are tied to trade. Yeah, well. And, uh, you know, what that means really to me is two things. Number one, it means that trade is the single largest driver of our state's economy. Mm-hmm. More than aerospace, more than IT, more than agriculture, trade. Mm-hmm. And clearly what it also means is that if we are trying to do things to create jobs in Washington State, mm-hmm. making sure that our trade economy is thriving is the number one on that list. Yeah. By the way, not only are those 40% of all of our jobs tied to international trade, those 40% of jobs pay about 13 to 18% higher wages than non-trade related jobs. So these are good, high paying jobs that are being created by international trade. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, like you said earlier, Mary, you know, not only is that a big number, but compared to other states, we are the most trade-supported economy as you look at sort of per capita mm -hmm. share of trade economy uh, for Washington state. And there's obvious reasons for that, right? Number one, we are geographically proximate to Canada and Asia, mm -hmm. so we become mm -hmm. a great gateway to and from the rest of the world. But also, obviously, we have all of these amazing global companies that have decided for various reasons to locate here. We have this amazing agricultural land that is so mm -hmm. productive that makes these amazing products that everyone else in the world wants to buy. And we have these naturally deep water ports, these wonderful navigable rivers. Uh, so we're just set up perfectly in so many different ways to Absolutely. be uh, such a great state for, state for trade. Uh, and again, really not only just for our trade, but as a gateway to and from the rest of the world, 46 states in the U.S. use Washington ports wow. to access to and from the rest of the world. Isn't that something? And, uh, of course, 70% of the goods that come into the ports of the Seattle Port of Tacoma go on to the rest of the country. So we sure. truly are that gateway, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so, so trade matters. Trade is important. It's a huge part of our economy. Yeah. What, what do you make of the current... I know you guys aren't a political group, but you have to worry about this a climate where trade, I guess specifically trade deals, um, have all of a sudden become so controversial. Um, and there seems to be so much more opposition to it. Yeah. Does yeah. that concern you? Well, yeah. well yeah. you know, what, what I say to my staff is, is that the silver lining is our work is more relevant and important than ever, right? That's uh, right. And our work with the Washington Council on International Trade, for those who don't know us, is we are the voice of Washington employers on trade policy, mm -hmm. right? We, we not only are the number one advocate for the importance of trade and specific trade policies and investments that help our economy, but also probably the number one source of data about trade and mm -hmm. trade policy. And so we really... Uh, try and interface as much as possible with our elected officials from Washington State, the local, state, and federal level, the media, as well as the general public and the business community on these issues. Mm -hmm. And so uh, clearly this presidential election cycle has seen what I would consider to be hundreds of millions of dollars for free advertising for the case against trade and trade <laughs> agreements, right? Yes. Uh, and our little budget and, and all of the budgets of the business organizations that advocate on trade policy uh, does not equal hundreds of millions of mm -hmm. dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And and so it, it has certainly put us at a disadvantage from a messaging and branding perspective about what trade and trade deals actually are. Yes. Uh, and we have to do as much as we can to, to push back against that. Let's, if you don't mind, just start with some facts sure. about what the actual issues are. Now, yeah. of course, on the export side, Exporting goods is not actually controversial, right? right. Uh, you know, it's just we've got these products. We want as many people to buy them as possible. 96% mm -hmm. of all the people in the world don't live in the United States. So if you're trying to sell your goods to as many people as possible, you are probably trying to export. Exactly. And, and that's a great thing, and it's not controversial at all. Right. What is controversial is importing, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think mm -hmm. people associated with outsourcing and loss of jobs mm -hmm. to foreign co countries, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they associate importing with globalization mm -hmm. and they blame quote unquote trade agreements trade. or free trade agreements yeah. for all of those things happening. Right. That sort of becomes the fair or not. Right. That's the public face of the um, or I guess receptacle of all these anti-globalization yes. uh, feelings. That's exactly yeah. right. So, so let's talk about trade agreements for just one second. Okay. So the U.S. has 
trade agreements with 20 <clears throat> countries mm -hmm. uh, as of a couple of years ago when we signed trade agreements with Korea, Panama, and Colombia. Okay. So those 20 countries represent 10% of global GDP. They buy and GDP is gross gross domestic, domestic product, product, right? Yeah. So, so 10% of the world economy is yes. in the, is in those 20 other countries that we have trade agreements with, and yet that those 20 countries buy 50% of U.S. exports. Wow, that is not a coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. It actually means that when we are able to lower barriers and open markets for our products those countries where we have lower barriers and open markets buy more of our goods. People want to buy U.S. goods. They think mm -hmm. U.S. goods and services are high quality, sure. they have cachet, uh, and yet when we face these artificial barriers, artificial prices through things like tariffs that the other countries, the other set, countries up. set up, mm -hmm. we, we, don't, uh, we don't do as well. Mm -hmm. Another really interesting and important point is people talk about the trade deficits, and we could argue about sure. whether the trade deficit is a bad thing or not. Mm -hmm. We actually have a trade surplus with those 20 countries, except for uh, oil, which is a the whole separate thing. The U.S. Yes, a whole. Okay. The U.S. as a whole ha has a trade surplus. We export more to those countries, except for with oil. With whom we have trade with, deals. With those 20 countries mm -hmm. with whom we have trade deals, than we import. So trade, well, trade agreements are actually the solution to one sure. of the, some of the biggest challenges of globalization, not the cause of. Yeah. And again, you know, shame on us for not getting that message out. But that's actually what the facts say. Okay, that's interesting. That's a that's a really good number, and I hadn't heard that. So, um, okay, another argument I've heard. I've been trying to uh, immerse myself in the anti-trade argument yeah. on both the right and left is, well, I'm for free trade, but these trade agreements, for right. example, the TPP, NAFTA, looking at the past, those are bad. You know, they're, they're full of all kinds of whatever, corporate giveaways or whatever, you know, name your, name your, um, your bogeyman. And why, you know, why do we have to have these huge, complicated, thousand, multi-thousand page agreements? Yeah. So, so the Trans-Pacific Partnership, just to level set for a second, mm -hmm. uh, is a trade agreement that yes. the U.S. has just finished negotiating. We finished uh, last October negotiating mm -hmm. this agreement, and it's with the U.S. and 11 other countries. Some of those countries are large countries like Japan. Some mm -hmm. of those are small countries like Brunei. Right, I saw Brunei uh, on there. Uh, they, it and is it actually, also doesn't it include Canada and it Mexico. Includes Canada so. and Mexico. It includes actually not only <clears throat> countries in Asia, but it is an Asia-Pacific trade agreement. Yes. So Chile. Mm -hmm. And Peru, right? Oh, that's uh, right. Are, South are in the agreement too. as well mm -hmm. in Mexico and Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly enough, uh, six of those eleven countries we already have trade agreements with, okay. uh, and so it's really countries like Japan and Vietnam that we're really opening for the first time. Oh, so Japan is a new one. Japan is oh, a new one. Vietnam is a new one. And of course, Vietnam is really. I guess, I don't know if you'd say emerging, already emerged, Absolutely. but it's a big, no, it's, it's I would a big say it market. is an emerging developing market, yeah. but it's certainly fast growing and yeah, it's yeah. certainly uh, already a major trading partner of sure. the U.S. Sure. So why do we, why do we care about the Trans-Pacific Partnership and why, why does President Obama and, and leaders in Congress, why, why have they been fighting for so long over the past six years to get this trade agreement negotiated and passed through Congress? Mm -hmm. uh, it is, Really, I think the president says it well when he calls it a 21st century agreement. Mm -hmm. And what he means by 21st century agreement is that for the first time ever, this is a trade agreement that truly captures 
all of the factors that influence our success in the global economy. Mm. So you ask, why is this agreement so long and big, right? Why can't we just say, hey, there's a bunch of tariffs in other countries, we want them to go away, period. Yes. Uh, and of course, tariffs are really important, but so much of the global economy... Oh, and just to clarify, yeah. I'm sure most of our sure. listeners know what tariffs are, but tariffs are the tariffs basically are, the taxes right. that other countries would say, oh, well, hey, Washington, you want to send your apples here oh we're going to charge you know 40 percent and then it makes them more expensive right. so anyway go yeah. ahead and, and when they and when they're more expensive you sell less of them because exactly right, supply and demand mm-hmm. so uh we we certainly care about tariffs uh by the way about half of the tra- of the trans-pacific partnership text is just tariff reduction schedules uh, yes so I, every single product and every single country listed yeah so so the fact that it is so long half of it is just because you have a bunch of numbers planet right? money did a, a a great little story that they're an npr um show uh where they i think it was back in november when they released the <laughs> one of their reporters was talking about that how Yes, it's so long because, you know, it's like a horse that isn't a donkey or a, you know, just yeah. a fishing bait, all this other stuff. Exactly. So, so, it so just all different products and schedules mm-hmm. of reductions by country. Yeah. So, so there's that. But the other piece, which is probably just as important, is that so much of what determines our success in the global economy these days is things like intellectual property protection, yes. are things like how we compete against state-owned enterprises, which are private companies Mm -hmm. owned by foreign governments that compete on unfair... maybe? I mean, uh, (laughs) you said it, right? Uh, So state-owned enterprises and and how how we compete with them. Uh, All of these different regulatory issues, what we call in the trade world, non-tariff barriers to entry, right? Whether it be quotas Mm -hmm. or the use of sanitary and phytosanitary scientific rules to artificially keep our products out. Right. You hear, um, I mean, it seems to frequently be in the news. Oh, some country will say, well, we're not going to accept this apple, this Washington apple or this wheat because, oh, we're concerned about this uh, disease. And, you know, I mean, let's be honest, it's not really. That's not an issue. These are good products, but they use that as an exactly. excuse. So, so harmonizing those and standardizing those so we actually have predictability there. So these are all really important issues. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things that probably drives me most crazy from the folks that are opposed to the TBP is, you know, half of the chapters in the TBP aren't even about trade. And they're referring to things like intellectual property protection yes. and state-owned enterprises and things like, for the first time ever, we have a chapter on cross-border data flows, right? Which is how mm. information flows across borders on the internet. Oh, interesting. If you don't think that the ability to successfully and safely and reliably transport data across borders on mm-hmm. the internet is part of trade. Yeah. You don't fundamentally understand how the economy works today. The new economy, absolutely. So, so these are all issues that, and, frankly, we should be celebrating that the TPP captures them all because it truly will help us be successful in the global economy in a way that just reducing tariffs is not going to be able to do. It's not going to do. And, you know, these are... Um, they're complicated issues yeah. and they are you know you're dealing with a total of 12 countries including the united states yep. so i wish it were as simple as i'm sure everyone wishes it were as simple as you know just one little one slip of paper and hey let's have free trade but you have yeah. to you've got to have all your um it seems to me your eyes dotted and your t's crossed otherwise they're going to be loopholes right yeah free free trade is such a 
misleading term. It, it is. It sounds like let's just open up the doors and it's the yeah. wild west and we're all selling everything we this want. This isn't to a libertarian. Yes. Par- you know, you can't do that. Sorry yeah. to any libertarian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> right. but, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, you just you have to have legal. Right. And, and I think people think stuff. also that you know we're we're adding all these rules and regulations you know rules exist already right you know every time you want to sell one thing to another country Mm -hmm. you abide by whatever the existing rules are right right we're trying to change the rules to make our exports uh, and our uh our import and export companies more successful but that doesn't mean that we're uh, creating some sort of evil new regulatory system. It mm-hmm. means that we are trying to change the rules to benefit U.S. companies. And when U.S. companies are able to be more successful in the global marketplace, they do create more jobs. And as we said earlier, those jobs pay 13 to 18% higher. Right. And that's, you know, the, the it seems to me the goal for on the, for, on the U.S. side um, is to reduce those barriers, whether they're tariff or whether they're some other barrier that might. So, yes, so that we can, our companies, whether they're big like Boeing or small like, uh, you know, a Christmas tree farm or something, yep. can can more easily sell their products overseas, thrive, you know, create good jobs and, and uh, help our economy. Absolutely. Um, so that that's that's uh, that question of why we actually need this trade agreement, and it can't just be sort of a um, sort of a free for all. Yeah. It's because it is complicated. What about um, the concern that has been raised on you know in this campaign and in general about well if, if a trade agreement means. We're exporting jobs. It means, you know, the company, you know, some company here in America is going to say, oh, hey, uh, because of this trade agreement, now I'm going to go take my, relocate my business to a country where I'm going to pay my workers, you know, $2 an hour or something. What what do you say to that? So, so a couple of things. I, th- I think, first of all, uh, when we have trade agreements with those countries, it actually makes it easier for U.S. companies to be successful here exporting to those countries. Mm, mm-hmm. Without those advantages, it actually incentivizes those companies to have to do business in those countries, right? Mm. Manufacture in those countries to avoid paying all of those tariffs. So when right. we lower barriers, it actually incentivizes folks to stay here because they're able to be more successful exporting and in- engaging a global economy from here. Okay. But I think even more importantly, let's talk about that that the slave labor and the low wages mm-hmm. uh, in other mm-hmm. countries, right? Mm-hmm. So the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, for the first time ever, has fully enforceable rules on things like labor standards, environmental standards, human health, and human rights. Uh, and we can talk about that from a moral perspective. Oh, it's so nice that we're helping raise labor standards and environmental standards around the world. But let's ignore that entirely mm-hmm. for a second. Let's just talk about the economic competitiveness side of that. Mm-hmm. For the first time ever, if the Trans-Pacific Partnership is signed, Vietnam will have a minimum wage. For the first time ever, if the Trans-Pacific Partnership is signed, Vietnam will have the right to unionize. Hmm. For the first time ever, if the Trans-Pacific Partnership is signed, Malaysia will fully outlaw slave labor and forced labor. Hmm. Now, would they do that just on their own for no good reason? No, they wouldn't. They would continue to have those practices, and those practices, A, are bad for their citizens, 
and B, allow them to produce artificially cheap products that compete with our products on the global marketplace. Right. Right? When we are able to use the carrot and stick of access to the U.S. market to encourage those countries to, in return, raise their labor and environmental and human health and human rights standards, we actually make our products more economically competitive. Right. Products yeah. will no longer be artificially cheaper in Vietnam because they're paying, you know, 48 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. The, those wages will rise. And that will benefit the people in Vietnam, but it will also benefit U.S. exporters because they will be more competitive with Vietnamese products. Okay, interesting. Well, that that's interesting because one of the um, criticisms I heard from <clears throat> from the left was that, uh, oh, this is terrible for labor rights, workers' rights. So that doesn't quite square yeah, with... It, it really... So what, what they say, if you're really paying attention, is... Mm-hmm. Uh, these labor standards don't go far enough, right? Okay, gotcha. And that is something you can say, right? We're not talking about U.S.-level labor standards. We're not talking about a $15 minimum wage in Vietnam, right? No, that's... Uh, But what I would say to those labor folks, and what I have said to those labor folks is, what would you like, the status quo or better than the status Mm -hmm. quo? And is it really worth it to... Uh, stop this agreement that will give people in Vietnam unionization rights and a minimum wage for the first time because the minimum wage is not high enough. Uh, it, it seems like a very sort of perfect being the enemy, the good type of right. approach. Right. Okay. That that's that that makes sense um, because when I was listening to their criticisms, they weren't terribly specific. Right. And of course, you know, the other argument is that's not really the job of a trade deal. Yeah. That's that's a a domestic policy issue for the people of Vietnam. Not that we don't care about it, but there are other avenues to pursue that goal. It it certainly is. Economic growth being one of them. I always find it really interesting when people uh, blame trade agreements for both being the cause of uh, economic issues and for not being the solution to economic (laughs) issues, right? Uh, You you can't win sometimes with people. Exactly. I think people are perhaps expecting too, I don't know, maybe too much, or, or just not having the a misperception of the role that the trade deal right. plays. I, I think that's right. Um, it's funny you mention that, because I, in my research, um, and we don't need to get into the weeds on this issue, but there's something about prescription drugs, certain mm-hmm. type of, pre- sure. bio, was it biogen? Biologics, yeah. Biologics. And so I was listening to, um, uh, uh, I guess public citizen. There's a sort of what you term a pretty far left, I guess, progressive group, and they were railing against that aspect of the prescription medicine because it would, um, I don't know, for some reason that it, it would just it protected the pharmaceutical companies That's too right. much. Then I was just reading, I think it was in Politico, in an article yesterday about the difficulties the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal is facing on Capitol Hill, and there were two. Um, Republican senators who weren't in favor because they felt like the protections weren't strong enough, That's right. <laughs> enough on the same issue. That's exactly on, right. Yeah. So, that, well, gosh, maybe you know, there's something to that old saying of if you're if you've got people on both the left and the right mad, at, you know, on the further on the left and right mad at you, may, you might be doing something right. Exactly. But you know, you can't really please 
everybody. Yeah, you know, the, the thing is, and, you know, we can talk about these specifics. I mean, I think the issue of biologics and, and intellectual property is a really interesting one, right? Mm-hmm. So Orrin Hatch and, and people in the uh, biotech industry wanted 12 years of IP protection for their biologic And that's internet, in, intellectual I, Intellectual property, property protection, yes. right? 12 years of, of no one can make a generic version of this for 12 years okay, in these countries, gotcha. right? Uh, people on the public citizen side wanted zero years, right? Like, <laughs> hey, it's not fair to ask these developing countries to pay market rate for these biologics. They should be able to knock them off and, and pay generics prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, the compromise in the Trans-Pacific Partnership is between five and eight years, depending on the country. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that seems like a fair compromise. Exactly. Between zero and 12. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, um, okay. Uh, another area I'd like to focus in on, obviously, given the... Um, given where we are, is the the specific benefit um, to Washington State right. and, you know, specific Washington companies. I mean, people automatically think, and obviously Boeing will be um, a, a beneficiary, um, as is proper because it's one of our state's yep. major employers um, and also is associated with hundreds and hundreds of aerospace companies that do business with it. Um, and certainly, you know, the big ones are going to be, are, are, are will benefit from it. Um, but it's also lots of smaller yeah. uh, employers and little businesses, too, that are, that are going to benefit um, across the spectrum, whether you're talking about farms or um, I was looking at your site, and you had examples of lots of smaller companies um, uh, that that perform a variety of that make a, a variety of products. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, about how this is this particular this TPP um, is is going to benefit would benefit if it were passed. Um, people in Washington state. Absolutely. So uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, we're uh, really excited. We're about to release a study uh, mm-hmm. on July 18th. Mm-hmm. So whenever people are listening to this, yes, maybe we are recording this on July 15th, July 15th yes. but we'll put it out. Yeah. So, so on week. July 18th, we're releasing a, a, a new study on the specific benefits of TPP to Washington state. Mm-hmm. And what we found, uh, our economists found, is that if TPP were fully enforced right now, Washington state exports would increase by up to $8.7 billion. Whoa, and with create, a B. With a B and create about 26,000 additional jobs in Washington state. My goodness. Which is huge, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. uh, Washington, as we talked about earlier, because we are so trade dependent and because we are so well positioned in trade, we are obviously going to benefit much more than most other states from any trade agreements. Exactly. Uh, specifically, TPP, because it's so Asia-Pacific focused, is is obviously going to be a huge benefit for us. Mm-hmm. But it really, the, the benefits are so diverse across the spectrum of industries and mm-hmm. number of jobs. It, it truly is pretty darn exciting, actually, what the what the potential benefits would be from TPP. I would say probably, you, know, you mentioned aerospace, agriculture, our retail industry, which is mm-hmm. such a huge part of what we do financial services, mm-hmm. uh, so many of those different industries, uh, even the, the IT and software industries oh, are, sure. have really been strong on this, yeah. uh, particularly because of some of those intellectual property the protections intellectual property. and the cross-border data flows and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Uh, it is just going to be tremendously beneficial to Washington State. And you talk about small businesses, you know, uh, on average in the United States, 1% of businesses export. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're uh, much better in Washington State, 4% of our businesses (laughs) export. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so obviously there's a huge opportunity to, to improve that. 
one of the great things about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, first of all, first time ever there's been a specific chapter on small business. Oh, interesting. There's actually a chapter that talks about how to improve small business trade. Okay. Uh, And it's a variety of things around uh, streamlining regulations uh, and making it easier in terms of things like customs and and border access. Right, because little guys don't, I mean, they don't have, they can't pay all these lawyers or compliance people. A lot of them are doing it themselves, literally. There's even something, uh, there's a de minimis standard, actually. If you're a really small exporter and you're just, you know, exporting a small one onesie twosie type of thing mm-hmm. uh tbp actually raises the de minimis standard uh, under which you don't have to pay tariffs at all oh nice so if you're exporting wow. a 500 hundred dollar item yeah uh, under tpp it goes in tariff free regardless of oh interesting it is. yeah oh wow it's pretty pretty cool yeah um what how does it look from your perspective for the Trans-Pacific Partnership right. passing. I mean, as I mentioned, I was reading an article on Politico from yesterday, July 14th that was saying things are not looking too great. Sure. Um, how are things looking? How is Washington's congressional delegation? Are they so, split? I mean, you would think they'd be in favor, but I know there are political... On both sides, there are political pressures. So in 2011, we passed the Korea Free Trade Agreement. Okay. And... Both of our senators and every single member of our congressional delegation, Republican and Democrat, voted yes. Wow. In 2015, last year, we, uh, by which I mean Congress, passed mm-hmm. Trade Promotion Authority. Trade Promotion okay. Authority, otherwise known as Fast, Fast Track. Fast Track, okay. Which is just really, at the end of the day, the legislation that sets how trade agreements are voted on. Yes, yeah, so that means that... Congress can either vote yes mm-hmm. or no, mm-hmm. and the purpose of that they can add amendments because otherwise, if you <laughs> if you allow that, um, they would be adding amendments to all these trade deals, and then all the other countries would yes. be doing it, and you would never get agreement on anything. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so we passed uh, trade promotion authority last summer mm-hmm. uh, with about sixty some votes in the Senate and two hundred and eighteen votes in the House. Okay. So that really sort of set a marker for. Is there support? And everyone knew that was really sort of a stand-in initial vote for the TPP, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. and it passed, right? Uh, Now, obviously, there's a difference between sort of general bureaucratic rules about how trade agreements will be viewed versus Mm -hmm. actual trade agreements with actual decisions. And, uh, you know, we'll see whether there is a vote or not. I'll talk about that, whether I think there's a vote or not in a second. Mm -hmm. But... I do feel like we saw last summer that a majority of both House and Senate support trade and trade agreements, mm-hmm. right? They, they're on record as voting uh, for for trade promotion authority. So, right. yes, some dynamics have changed. I don't think anyone could have really fully predicted over the last year the rise of Bernie Sanders and Donald, and Trump, Donald and, Trump and the and they were the ones really of Hillary Clinton. Of Hillary Clinton I know. Uh, but, you know, so, so that clearly has had and an impact. And just for our yeah. listeners who aren't aware, Hillary Clinton, who actually, as Secretary of State, does she not play a role in Very much so. <clears throat> pushing TPP? Then yeah. all of a sudden, during the Democratic primary, uh, and under pressure from Bernie Sanders, came out against TPP. That's right. Uh, now, with that said, per- I mean, personally, this is just my own opinion. I think she'll probably... Once she becomes president, I think she probably will become president. Not because I want her to be president, but because I'm a realist. 
I mean, I'm assuming she'll switch back at some point, but probably after yeah, yeah, there know, has to be some uh, grace period. But yes. it, anyway, regardless, and yes. we can talk about that. But anyway, so. Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah. so since the vote, so, so since last, the vote clearly, there's clearly been, there's been a lot, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the presidential candidates have, have changed the conversation. Yes. I, I will say that all of the polling at the national level yeah. and the polling that we've done in Washington state shows that anywhere between 52 to 58 percent of U.S. voters and Washington voters support trade agreements. Sure. And all of the quote-unquote conventional wisdom that there's this huge groundswell of anti-trade sentiment, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting these candidates to, to the huge, huge popularity, it's not actually borne out by the data. Yeah. Now, clearly there is a populist thing going on, and there is an overlap between populists and anti-trade sentiments. Mm-hmm. But a majority of Americans do support trade agreements. Yes. That has not changed over the last year. Oh, interesting. If you, okay. do, if you look well, at the polls from before, if you look at the polls now, yeah. uh, that's not the conventional wisdom, and conventional wisdom sometimes is more impactful than truth, but uh, right. that is what it is. And, right? of course, the, the way that um, the argument is presented, if you have you know, Donald Trump saying... Cover, you know, cover any little one's ears that the TPP represent. What did he use? He actually used the term country. rape of that our country. Right, yes. Okay, people are going to be like, Whoa. but then if you say, oh, we'll trade where we lower tariffs and other barriers. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, that's great. So right. it de- obviously R- it depends on how it's yes. presented. Yes. I mean, and if you have Bernie Sanders saying whatever, it's rigged and it's a corporate giveaway and all right. that. Well, of course. But then if you Yes, the, Lay out the, the, some the of the facts actual... are compelling, but people don't listen no, to the facts. No, yeah, and we're all, yeah, we're we're aware of that too. Yes. Um, so, how are things looking? Yeah. So, with our delegation, are they? Yeah, our delegation has been uh, very strong in support of trade. Like I said, forever. Uh, yeah. On the trade promotion authority vote, uh, both our Democratic senators voted yes mm-hmm. on trade promotion authority, mm-hmm. and seven of our ten members of Congress voted yes on okay. trade promotion authority. We did uh, three Democrats, including Jim McDermott. Adam Smith and Denny Heck voted no on Trade Promotion Authority. Interesting. Uh, at least two of them would would very likely vote no on TPP. Okay. But I think you know if there were a vote, uh, I think it would be very likely that all of the people who voted yes on TPA would vote yes on TPP. Mm-hmm. Uh, will there be a vote? The yeah, that's the big question. Has Trade Promotion Authority. So technically. If he submits that legislation to Congress, there must be a vote. Interesting. Uh, will he do that? Probably not, unless he feels like there is a path to success. And there are a number of issues, as you have met, mentioned, that both Republicans and Democrats, who even Republicans and Democrats who want to pass trade agreements, like Orrin Hatch and others, mm-hmm. want to see addressed before they vote. So, so there okay. is a... There is there is a path to success. It, it involves very technical fixes to mm-hmm. issues that all of the Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders supporters don't actually care about or know mm-hmm. about. Uh, but if those issues are fixed, I, I I do think there is still a half decent chance that you would get a vote in November. Right. Uh, and I think if I were Hillary Clinton, uh, I would want that vote to happen in November yes. so I can start my presidency with a clean slate. Right. 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 Uh, and I happen to think that you know what's almost more interesting to me than who wins the presidential election is whether there is a change in control of the House and or Senate. Yeah, yeah this that, that's right. That's and another that, issue. That will also be very impactful on how people determine whether or not there will be a vote this November. That's true, because there's uh, a reasonably good chance that the Democrats could 
um, take control of the Senate. It seems like that is true. Yeah. Um, just based on, you know, polling. And this was a tough year, um, whatever, six years ago when they were elected, it was easier for right. Republicans. So who knows? I, I mean, I think it, it is, could happen. Yes. So if that, you know, that could change the calculus where you would have a lame duck, in, in other words, between the election yes. and the, um, in the end of their terms, where they might come and vote for it. And, and I think, you know, it, all of us, have tried to get out of the political predictions business because I don't think oh, we yeah. saw any Please. of this coming. No. So uh, who knows if that is the conventional wisdom is true about <clears throat> any of this. But, uh, you know, we got to make some assumptions and go forward. And certainly, you know, for the Washington Council on International Trade and our partners, we feel no reason to stop advocating for that vote happening in no. November, right? So we're right. going to keep going and sharing facts and making mm -hmm. our arguments. And the other side is obviously doing the exact same, and they feel very empowered to do so. So yeah. Uh, you know, what is interesting to me, if you actually listen to what the two presidential candidates are saying, right? Mm -hmm. So Hillary Clinton says something to the effect of, I think it is important to open new markets, and I cannot support the Trans-Pacific Partnership, quote-unquote, in its current form. Yes. Right? Which is a, a dodge, right? It's, well, sure. I need some concession to be able to hold Ex my and head that's, up. That's and that's what and I'm thinking, like, fine, right? she'll need, she would yeah. need a grace period and some little tweak yeah. in order to support it. Donald Trump, you know, and, and who knows what to What's take going seriously on in his with Donald mind. Trump, but, you know, his rhetoric has never been trade is bad. His rhetoric has always exactly. been we have negotiated bad agreements. Yes. I'm a great negotiator. Yes. I would negotiate good agreements. Good agreements. Right? Exactly. So neither of them have said we fundamentally think we should not have free trade agreements. Right. Yes. And I haven't heard any specifics you're right, from right. either of them. Right. Um, which leaves a lot of wiggle room. Right. Um, yeah, it really is fascinating. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess the good side of this is, as you said, it does make your work more relevant. Yep. And I guess it's a new opportunity um, for people who are promoting trade, um, free trade or whatever you want to call it. Um, to really have to go back to basics and explain why this is so good and yeah. to separate out some and there you know there's a, there are a lot of legitimate concerns about the changing nature of our economy and lack of job security and wage stagnation but those don't necessarily have anything to do with trade agreements yeah. they've just become sort of a you know, it's the, been, it's yeah. sort of easy to blame. Oh, we got this trade agreement. Let's blame all this. I, I think there is no argument from anyone whatsoever that there are things broken about our economic and political system. Sure, right? I, I think Absolutely. that is pretty pretty darn true. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're really just arguing about solutions, which is totally appropriate, sure. and, and that's fine. Uh, we need to uh, make sure that everybody in our country has the training and access to good jobs. Yeah, that's uh, the and, key. And that involves education, and that mm -hmm. involves uh, investment in infrastructure, mm -hmm. and any number of things, in, including you know a strong social safety net to help sure. people who are negatively impacted mm -hmm. by globalization, which mm -hmm. is a real thing. A, you know, it is fundamentally our our world has fundamentally changed. Absolutely. Uh, and even frankly, you know. Uh, we think about the poor factory workers who are losing their jobs, but you know we're in a world right now with technology that radiologists can be outsourced, mm. right? Lawyers can be outsourced. Right. Uh, nobody's job is 
quote-unquote safe, or, or maybe the better way to say it is there is no job almost that can't be done from anywhere. And so how do you educate and train and prepare a workforce in mm -hmm. that kind of environment? It's really mm -hmm. hard, it is. and we have to figure out how. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's very well said. Um, but, you know, for the reasons you've laid out, especially for Washington State, you know, right. it may not be as compelling um, in other states, but because we are, you know, our economy and so many of our jobs are so enmeshed with trade and we have stand so much to gain, um, especially if we're looking at, you know, some, I'm not making any predictions here, but, you know, eventually an ec another economic downturn yep. might come and talk about a great um, insurance policy to help buffer us against the the um the effects of that yeah um well good luck you've you're not gonna have have a lack of things to do in the coming months right that is definitely true and we've got a lot of <laughs> a lot of plans to to continue to try and get the word out and you know we, we've got our whole uh, i think you went to it wcit.org slash tpp oh, we've yes, got sort of, of our tpp yes. action center and yeah and we'll have links to all of your yeah. um to your website and there's a ton of really great yeah. uh well-presented information yeah wcit.org yeah um so we'll provide a link to that great great all right well thank you eric Thanks and so much, uh good luck all right all right bye-bye and thank you to our listeners. Oh, listeners, of course, we are now also available on not only on iTunes, in addition to SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, and we are newly on Stitcher as well. So we're really getting super high tech now. Um, thank you, and we will talk to you next time. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.